This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Tree Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, two students were arrested after complaining online about their SPM Sajara paper. So we're looking into where freedom of speech factors in here and what the law actually has to say. And then later on, we all say silly things when we're young and for some of us that may never stop. So how can we create safe spaces online for teenagers to express themselves and make mistakes? So tell us, do you think that arresting the students over this was an overreaction? And then shouldn't there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you're young? Call us double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note to 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So um, let's begin with the release of a video. So um, essentially, a video went out um, initially on TikTok and then it subsequently went viral um, across other social media channels where, um, well, a variety of age groups exist. And uh, basically, it showed... You can hear a voice um, speaking behind the camera and it shows a student still in his school uniform talking about the SPM history paper or the Sajara paper. Uh, It basically... He was uh, unhappy with the person who had made the paper. Um, there were some remarks made about Singapore's, you know, including why should I care about Singapore? You know, all that sort of thing. Essentially, some bad words were used. Some bad words were used. Yes, that's right. Um, some some maybe vulgar language was used, but nothing that um, I would say if you were walking past a bus stop at lunchtime um, when the kids are getting ready for pickup. Nothing that as you walked past you wouldn't hear. So that is the video. It went viral. A police report was made. And then two teenagers, both 18, were arrested last Friday to assist in an investigation over this video. So Hulu Slangor District Police Chief Sufyan Abdullah said that the police arrested these two boys, um, as you said, both 18 years old, after having received a report from a teacher last Friday. Um, And um, the And he added that students had used vulgar words to criticize those who said the questions. They insulted Singapore. Um, And here's what happened, right? The students were arrested at their homes. They were tested for drugs. They had their phones seized by the police headquarters. Um, The urine test subsequently showed no evidence of drug use. Both suspects have no past criminal record. The case is now currently being investigated under Section 14 of the Minor Offences Act of 1995 and Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act 1998. The students have also uploaded an apology video um, where they said that the comments that were made were made spontaneously. They were just expressing their feelings about what happened in the exam to their friends. Um, He also said that, uh, or rather the student in the video said that his friend made a mistake by uploading the video on social media without thinking that it would go viral. He apologised. His apology included everyone, basically all Malaysians, the ministry, all the teachers at his school, the teachers who wrote the paper. Um, And that was from the boy who was on camera. Uh, Meanwhile, the student who filmed the video also apologised for causing trouble to his family, the government and school. So 
that's been the reaction on, on both sides of it. There have also, of course, been criticisms of the arrest itself. Um, we are shortly going to be speaking to the Director of Lawyers for Liberty, Zaid Malik, but um, they issued a statement saying that they were um, basically appalled by the heavy-handed approach by the authorities here. Yeah, so um, they and uh, I, I guess netizens as well have been talking about um, this sort of oversized response to what is essentially to young people. Um, and uh, we also had heard, we've heard from, for instance, uh, Banda Kuching MP, Dr. Kelvin Yee, um, called for investigations to be dropped, um, said that this was causing unnecessary mental stress and stigma. Um, so it really does come down to that, right? Like this, uh, the fact that, as you said, Lynn, this is something that wouldn't have become a big deal at all, if not for the fact that it ended up on social media. But why is it now being treated like a crime committed by a criminals? So I don't know if I even agree with you, you know. I, I think it wasn't even a big deal when it went on social media. It was well, a big a, deal. Yes, you're right. It was a big deal when a teacher decided a report. to lodge a police report against students. And and mm. I find that problematic, actually. So there are a lot of things that I do find um, difficult around this story. When I first read the report, so I wanted to watch the video myself because when I first read the reports, um, I truly thought that there were things said that crossed lines, that crossed multiple lines, um, whether explicit or unspoken, um, the stuff that you can and can't say in our country. That's what I expected. What I did not expect was, I can't use the word on air, um, but it's something talking. Um, I, I did not expect that from two young students essentially having just come out of a just having come out of the SPM I don't think it's unusual for people to then to make jokes um, or to make comments about the exams that they're going through especially as they're going through them um, the language was coarse yes but again it's not I don't know I don't know I it's just not what I expected the the video to be when I saw all the uproar around it so actually what I meant when I said it wouldn't have been a problem was that had it not gone viral, I don't think that we would be seeing this level of response to it. Even the report, I think, uh, was a result of it having been talked about and people sharing it. Um, but you're absolutely right that when I finally got around to watching the video, I was like, well, don't most people speak like this at some point in private with their friends? That that's the thing. Um, so yes, we're talking today about arrests that were made. Uh, two teenagers were arrested after uploading a rant about the Sajara paper, the SPM Sajara paper. It went viral. A teacher made a police report. The police arrested them in their homes, um, gave them drug tests, took away their phones. And so we're talking about that and asking you, do you think that arresting the students was an overreaction? And also, um, you know, what kind of room is there anyway to make mistakes online, especially when you're when you're young? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, after this, we're going to be joined by Zaid Malik, Director of Lawyers for Liberty. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9.
89.9. It is 6.15 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about the curious case of two teenagers being arrested um, uh, over a video that went viral showing one of them, um, a student, criticising the Sajara paper for this year's SPM and uh, basically making remarks about the, the people who made the papers. It, again, it's nothing that we haven't seen in terms of people letting off stress after an exam. So we are asking you, um, do you think that arresting the students was an overreaction? And also, considering the origins of this story, shouldn't there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you are a young person? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, and joining us now, we have Zaid Malik, Director of Lawyers for Liberty. Zaid, um, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me today. Yeah. So you've called these arrests uh, heavy-handed. Talk to us about that. Well, I think it is obvious to those who are interested in the issue and have seen the videos that has been posted uh, on TikTok by these uh, two teenagers. You can see that uh, it's like you have uh, rightly pointed out, it's just people venting out after an exam. But the response by the authorities is to subject them to a police raid and arrest uh, detention as well as a drug test. So, I mean, it's as as, as uh, heavy-handed as one can be in terms of response by the state to what I can say is just an innocuous act by teenagers being teens, albeit misguided, but, you know, it doesn't warrant criminal action as uh, what they have uh, what they have faced in these days, yeah. So they are being, um, they were arrested under the Communications and Multimedia Act, as well as the Minor Offences Act. How do both these laws come into play in this situation? Well, I think the medium that was used to, uh, where, where the video was uploaded, on, which is online on a social media platform, uh, is why the Communications and Multimedia Act came into play. And then when we talk about, uh, and when we, uh, I suppose from the perspective of the authorities, uh, because the so-called video that was uploaded is deemed to be quote-unquote offensive, uh, which is is why they are being investigated under Communications and Multimedia Act as well as Minor Offences Act. Minor Offences Act, because I think uh, the authorities would view the actions by these teenagers in the videos and the words uttered as something to be uh, offensive. And what are the punishments under these laws? Well, under, the, under Section 14 of the Minor Offences Act, I mean, as its namesake, the punishment for that is only up to 100 ringgit fine. But as uh, when it comes to Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act, the punishment under that provision is uh, much on a much wider scale. There's a fine that can be that can be that can be imposed up to 50,000 ringgit uh, uh, or imprisonment up to a term of year or both, as well as uh, if the offence continues after the judgment has been delivered, then a thousand ringgit fine on a day-to-day -day basis until the offence is removed. Uh, the offence is no longer persisting. Meaning, if uh, let's say the, it's it's uh, it's with regards to a Facebook post, if the sentence has been passed and the Facebook has Facebook post has not been removed, then there's another thousand ringgit per day as long as the Facebook post is up. For example, so yeah. That's uh, what these two teenagers are facing and what the authorities deem appropriate uh, to impose on them based on the video. 
So if we look at the Communications and Multimedia Act, that criminalizes the use of network facilities to share information that is, quote-unquote, deemed offensive. What is deemed offensive under this law? You see, that is exactly the problem that we have with Section uh, Section 33 of the Communications and Multimedia Act. The Act itself does not define what is or is it offensive, which means that um, for someone to be investigated under the offence, and what is considered or deemed offensive is entirely at the behest of the authorities. Because, I mean, it's a nebulous term, isn't it, offensive? What is offensive to one person might not be uh, offensive to another person. uh, But because of how vague it is, most people, the lay people, can't really know whether or not what they say or they act on social media can be deemed offensive under the the State Act until they are charged uh, or or, uh, rather uh, detained or investigated uh, by the authorities, which uh, so suffice to say that the term "offensive" under the Communications and Multimedia Act is vague. We don't know what it is until and unless an action has been taken, which is obviously not something uh, that's not something that should be uh, should be law in the first place. So something that stands out to me here, and it's something you referenced already, is that both teenagers were subjected to drug tests. And I think there are a few things to unpack here, right? So why was this relevant or allowed? And um, I think it goes back also to when it is that people can actually ask you for drug tests and what your rights are in the situation. Hmm. I mean, you see, the thing is, why was it conducted on these teenagers? Really, we don't know. Because the thing is, they are not allowed to just simply administer a drug test to these teenagers without any uh, without any reasonable suspicion. I mean, if the investigation itself was only based on the video, there was no necessity for the drug test to be taken. Uh, of course, in terms of, of, of procedures, if it, is, if it is being asked, there are certain procedure, uh, procedure safeguards that obviously most of the public do not know. So, I mean, like, for example, the teenagers, even if they were to refuse, they were, in, they were incarcerated. They could not refuse. They had, they, if they are asked to do a urine test or whatever other uh, drug test that the police deem necessary, they would have to do it. And uh, honestly, it's, 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 it's bewildering that, you know, an, investig- an investigation for a post on social media would involve a drug test when it has nothing to do with uh, any drug-related offences. If we go back to the larger way in which the case was handled um, or has been handled so far, how much does the well-being of the teenagers factor into this, considering that this approach can be traumatising or alienating for them? I mean, by right, the well-being of the teenagers should be the main factor before you decide to, to even open the, an investigation into the matter. But obviously, that has been disregarded because if that has really uh, been, in the, been uh, in the minds of the enforcement authorities, no investigation would have been open. They wouldn't have been, they would, there wouldn't have been any raids or arrests of these uh, teenagers and they wouldn't have been subject to the thing that they have already been subjected to by the law. So, of course, it is traumatizing. It is alienating. These are teenagers. They're, I mean, they're barely out of high school or rather in the process of finishing high school. Um, I mean, uh, they, I do not think that they imagined that they would be arrested for an innocuous video uploaded on TikTok. They did not ask uh, for it to be, to, to, to be made viral. 
in fact, they, they've already apologized, which shows that either, of course, I mean, the genuineness of the, uh, the, the genuineness uh, of the uh, uh, apology video is not really in question, but the fact that they've apologized shows that either they really are, is, are, they really are sorry for uploading the video or they are afraid of the, the, uh, 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 of the threats of uh, criminal action. So obviously, I, I mean, of course, I'm extrapolating from what has happened, but it, but I think it takes no stretch of the imagination to 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 to, to believe that it is very very traumatizing to 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 these teenagers to be subject to such a heavy-handed approach by the by the police. And um, of course, it's alienating. Uh, the, it was publicly uh, report. It was widely circulated in the news, uh, even with the pictures blurred out. I think uh, people have access to the original videos. Um, the people in their social circles or within uh, within reach of their social circles will obviously know obviously know about this. So there's an embarrassment involved, uh, the pressure from of, uh, the, their neighbors, their friends, their colleagues, the teachers. So obviously, it is no small act to just to, to to impose the police force on them. I truly feel sorry for them. You mentioned an apology video which uh, was uploaded. Does the apology have legal implications for the case? I mean, is are there legal reasons to apologize? I mean, are there re- legal reasons to apologize? I we believe, uh, I believe that there is no offense to begin with, so there is no legal need to apologize even. So, but the fact that they have apologized should have factored in. Uh, in the in the investigation, because I mean, a report has been made by this teacher, whoever the teacher may be, and the police has the authority to decide whether or not it is something that they should investigate or they shouldn't investigate. They hope that in this case they have op- open investigation for whatever reason. But if they have truly considered that these students have, I think, removed, I believe, removed the TikTok video as well as uploaded an apology, really there is no offense. Here, the it's the implication is more on not legal per se because again, uh, we like I like we like to say that it shouldn't be an offense. Yeah, uh, but it should at the very least have been uh, considered uh, before any sort of brutish action was taken against them. So, um, as we've said, the video was brought to the attention of the police because of a report from the teacher. How does this chain of events reflect on how we as a society see free speech? Well, I mean, I don't want to sort of paint a broad brush over the society at large, but there is a segment of uh, our society that deems any offenses or uh, anything immoral or what is deemed offensive should have should 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 involve intervention by the state or the enforcement authorities, which is really. Uh, a scary thought because you've got to wonder whether or not these people actually want are these people truly uh, imagining that they want to live in a totalitarian or police state because not everything uh, should have uh, should should warrant an, an investigation or criminal inter- intervention, and in terms of uh, what they call what they call it moralities or, uh, or, or moral uh, things involving morality or even what is polite or impolite, 
these should be considered separate uh, matters that should not be deemed as criminal offences. But the, that the existence of these, this segment of uh, people who believe that all everything under the sun that is deemed offensive should be uh, something that is criminalized is truly, truly a terrible thing to think about. So this, uh, we have a couple of minutes left with you. Um, the case yeah. overall has reopened larger conversations around free speech in Malaysia. What kind of reforms would you like to see here? Well, See, the thing is, the current Pakatan government is well aware of uh, what Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act is, or rather, even if they are not aware, they should be aware, being at the receiving end of the provision whilst, whilst they were in the opposition. So, um, honestly, it sh- uh, this is uh, the provision Section 233 Communications and Multimedia Act uh, and any other similar offences are really low-hanging fruits that should be tackled with immediately because it involves something as uh, something important uh, it involves freedom of speech which is integral to the to, to democracy so in terms of reforms obviously what i would like to see is that uh, section 2331a either uh, repealed or uh, if they want to put it in under justifications of oh it's, it's, it's to safeguard to, to, to avoid uh, uh, online harassment or bullying then the provision itself must be clearly defined and narrowed only to the specific cases because as I mentioned, as it stands, it uses words that is up to liberal interpretation of illiberal interpretation of the authorities. The terms are offensive, not well defined. There's no there's no need to contextualize the interaction before it is deemed as an offense and under section 233. So, so what should be considered or what should be done by the government immediately is to uh, re-look to the law and either repeat it. Or narrow it down considerably so that so so that these sort of cases can no longer happen in the future. Zayed, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was Zayed Malik, Director of Lawyers for Liberty, weighing in on the recent arrests of two students who uploaded a video that went viral, um, complaining um, in many ways about their SPM Sajara paper. Let us know, uh, do you think arresting the students was an overreaction? And shouldn't there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you're young? You can call us, you can send a voice note, tweet us. We'll be back for all of that. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Budding Fresh Ministers, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we have uh, what I hope is an interesting conversation for you today. It's certainly an interesting story. Um, Essentially, what happened was that a student, well, two students, one student shooting the video and uploading it, one student on the video in front of the camera. Uh, So basically, a video went viral in which a student was seen criticizing the um, SPM Sajara paper, essentially saying, who are the people who made these, uh, who, who are the people who made this paper? Why should I care about Singapore? But in much more vulgar terms. It's a short, short video. It was uploaded, went viral. Subsequently, a teacher made a police report and the boys were arrested at their homes, subjected to drug tests and their phones were confiscated. Um, 
the case is being investigated under Section 14 of the Minor Offences Act and Section 233 of the Communications and Multimedia Act. And we've been asking you, do you think that arresting the students was an overreaction? And also, shouldn't there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you are young? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So, um, let's see. There's so many thoughts coming through. Lisa says, I think the boys have every right to comment about their exams. Teachers should be open to criticism. They're not perfect too. The police should spend more time on more serious crimes rather than such petty things. The poor boys must have been severely traumatised. I, I think that the the mental well-being of the boys is important to talk about, partly because if you imagine, again, it's why I keep emphasising they were arrested at home, they were subjected to a drug test, because it's, um, I think for most of us, I'm not sure that you can necessarily see the correlation between uploading a 30-second video in which you didn't um, say anything kind of, seditious or or inciting or you know anything of that sort and see the through line to the point where you get arrested in your house no that's absolutely it and um, again when we talk about a generation that for by and large have grown up with the internet have grown up with the freedom to uh, I say freedom cautiously because I think it, it goes back to what you're saying right people post things people post both joyous moments and angry moments and I don't think that when you're at a particular age, you think too far ahead that this might get you into potentially legal trouble. And especially because they're not even saying things on the video that we would usually think of as being um, troubling by the law. So th there's a lot here that is actually quite concerning. Um, Wendy actually says something related to this. Wendy says, the biggest problem I find is the fact that they filmed and uploaded it on social media. It is a dangerous place to be on. While the response to the post was extreme, I think the onus is on adults reminding youths about the consequences of their action, especially when they post things online. Young people need a free space to express themselves, but they also need to understand how, how they can do so as misinterpretation happens. Happens. situations can escalate and some people may decide to use something innocuous and make it malicious. Escalated situations include how their friends may use their images of videos to make mean jokes or to get victims bullied. Wendy, I think that um, I, I agree with you so much on some parts of your message and less so on others. And, and it's kind of a, a, a difficult one to unpack, partly because I, I do believe that we should all be careful on social media. If anything, I am I often err on the side of sharing less, doing less on social media, partly because of the very thing that you were talking about, this this worry of misconstruing or of not wanting to participate um, in, in this sort of back and forth. So I get where you're coming from. I also think that adults um, may have a better understanding potentially of things like uh, like consequence or of how things can be perceived or misperceived. So there is definitely an onus there. I, however, think that there is also something to be said about the fact that I'm not sure adults fully understand um, not just digital natives, but social media natives. And that there is a difference between how those of us who lived without social media before and live with it now use it, and those who have never seen anything but those who constantly, basically have entire conversations and lives on it. Yeah, because, I mean, if you ask the question... 
who were they posting this for? Was it meant for the teacher to even hear it? Was it meant to be for, was it meant to be a diary? Was it meant to be a conversation between friends? Um, and all of these will be very different depending on who you are and how you use social media, which differs from generation to generation. Uh, we have a caller on the line with us as well. We have got Helmi. Helmi, good evening. What are your thoughts? Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, I think I understand the point made by Zaid Mali just now from Lawyers for Liberty uh, that we shouldn't immediately call for the intervention of the state. But um, of course, I, I think for me, uh, first, they should resolve that at the level of intermediary institutions or immediate community. Um, uh, and I still believe, uh, having said that, of course, I still believe that uh, the vulgarity needs to be corrected. For instance, maybe the, the school should call the students and ask them to apologize. Um, and if, if they can tell the student if this is, this, they, they don't want to do that, then they can bring this matter to the authority. Uh, but of course, I think we should also understand the, the complexity, the psychological and sociological complexity of the issue. Uh, because the video has gone viral, so the reaction is, of course, would be uh, also at that level uh, compared to if the message is just delivered at the level of the immediate community, then maybe it would also cause the immediate community to respond. Uh, I wonder this very black and white situation, right? Uh, something that has gone viral and then the state intervenes. This is actually uh, a reflection of our sociological, modern sociological, yeah, complex. I mean, intermediary institutions can no longer play uh, their role and they don't really have the, the, the means or mm -hmm. the sensitivity to respond, right? Okay. Helmi, thanks so much um, for calling and for sharing. I think I, I love the use of the word intermediary organisation. In other words, the acknowledgement that in between a student um, and the police and getting arrested, there should have been a middle ground. No, absolutely. Um, escalation is a word that has been coming up a lot, both in comments and in our conversation earlier. And that's how I feel this is. It feels like it went from a relatively innocuous incident of misbehavior by two students to involving laws and the authority. Where were the steps in between? Of course, we're not we're not aware whether attempts were made in between by the teacher or the school, but it doesn't seem like there was, at least from what was revealed to the public. Um, I, I think also at this point, we should probably clarify that when we say a teacher made the police report, it is unclear whether it is a teacher from the school or a teacher that is known to the boys. Um, we only know that it is a 53-year-old woman who is a teacher who made this police report, um, but it really could have been kind of anywhere um, because of the nature of, of social media, the fact that she could have seen it anywhere in the country. It could come from anywhere. So there, there is that. Um, but I, I think the other thing I find interesting is the point about vulgarity, uh, which Helmi brought up and which was also raised in a message by Izad, who says, the reaction by the police is indeed excessive and it's a waste of resources. But please, to you two presenters, do not normalise being vulgar and disrespectful to others, especially to our teachers. It's not fine, even if you're joking around with your best mates. I agree that it's not fine when directed at someone, but does that mean that they deserve to be arrested for it, is my question. Uh, yeah, so I think it's it's two things here, right? Because um, our caller Helmi made the point that 
um, vulgarity is something that needs to be corrected, but then also said that it's not something that needs to be corrected by the police. In fact, if that were the case, um, there would be more useless police reports <laughs> being lodged than there currently are. And currently, that number is already kind of problematic. So I think definitely the issue of vulgarity is an important one. Um, I think, however, the point about it being normalised is... I struggle with this, you know, when it comes to the issue of language, because is it normalizing something that is in fact part and parcel of being, in this case, a teenage boy and growing out of it? I, I'm not saying that um, we should normalize it in the sense that, yes, yes, keep going. Um, but I, I also think that it's not normalizing to acknowledge something that, I mean, we went to school here. We knew teenage boys. <laughs> I can tell you that in my experience, this is how they speak. Um, they grow out of it, they stop doing it, and not everybody does it. But it's not uncommon. No, and, and I also think what is important is actually knowing how communication works in different settings, right? Mm -hmm. People speak very differently with their friends, with their peer groups, than they do with their parents, than they might do with their co-workers, um, that they might do in public on a stage. There are multiple layers here. I admit that with social media, sometimes those boundaries get blurred. Um, and... Again, I go back to then in a very subjective matter, like what is appropriate to say in whose company, the law shouldn't be the one deciding how these uh, boys are punished or not. Uh, we have a pair of messages. So Julian says, I think it should have been a matter for the school to take disciplinary action, which we've talked about. Uh, for the teacher to call in the police on them is a major failing. I'm now wondering whether the two boys would have grounds to sue the teacher. Uh, Jason says, overaction and abuse of power. I don't want to subject the boys to more torment, but I wish this was challenged in court so we get a precedence on the boundaries of force. Um, I actually was wondering this as well. I'm hoping that the boys are getting support outside of, um, you know, just having to deal with a court case and advice. But uh, I, I do think that I do think that that more needs to be done in terms of accounting for all of the stuff that has happened. So let us know uh, what you think. We're talking today about the arrest of two 18-year-old students um, after a video went viral showing one of them complaining um, in, in you know, vulgar terms about the SPM Sejara paper, uh, its contents, the people who made it. And uh, the boys were arrested at home. They were subjected to a drug test and they had their phones confiscated. And we're asking you, do you think arresting the students was an overreaction? And also, should there not be room to make mistakes online, to say the wrong things even, especially when you are young? Um, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond frivolous mishmash, BFM 89.9. It is 6.51. Uh, you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Uh, and we're talking today about basically the story of two st students being arrested after a video went viral of one of them complaining in um, quite brutal terms about their SPM Sejara paper. Uh, we're asking you whether you think arresting the students was an overreaction and also whether in today's kind of very heated online space, shouldn't there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you are a young person? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018 Double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we have 
So I actually wanted to look at this tweet that just came in from Kejon, who says, if an adult did it, then he would right, be rightfully arrested. So I think it's fine for the police to be called. However, since they're underaged, it should stop at the police visit with a warning without an arrest. Now, um, I, I'm not sure about the second part. Um, I, I don't know about using the police as like a warning system to... to kids. Um, but I think that the first part, if an adult did it, then he would be rightfully arrested. I'm very interested in the word rightfully, because I think um, our guest earlier, Zaid Malik from Lawyers for Liberty, talked about, he used the word innocuous a lot. And um, he also made it clear that it, the, the problem, and this has always been the problem uh, with, with one of the acts in question that we're talking about, is gives offence. Um, what gives offence to someone? So when we say rightfully arrested because they said something quote-unquote offensive, who is determining what that what is rightfully offensive or not? I, I'm, so I'm not sure it's so cut and dry. So in this case, obviously, a report was made. The police are required to follow up. However, um, were they re required to perform an arrest? Were they required to administer a drug test? Um, so there are many things here which I'm not sure, actually, if an adult had done the same, that we would see this kind of response. There is a lot of subjectivity here and um, I think discretion as well on behalf of the authorities. Um, NK is saying, I felt sorry for both the boys. Um, I didn't expect that they would apology, uh, that they would have to apologise over such a small thing. Um, to the teacher or organisation that reported the case, you know, learn to take some criticism. Two teenagers take it better than you do. To the teenagers, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. Adults are troublesome most of the time. <laughs> Oh, I think a lot of teenagers would agree. Uh, a lot of adults would agree. <laughs> I, yes. I don't think this is a, an unpopular opinion. Danny says, enforcement agencies should have no business in policing morality and decency. What is funny to one person is offensive to another. Laws should not be dealing with such matters which are open to interpretation and individual taste. This is a tricky one. Um, in not in the sense of um, I disagree with you, I agree with you. Um, I think that the the tricky bit is how deeply entrenched and I'm going to use the word earlier, normalised, um, and normalised these sorts of legal interventions are, or uh, authoritative interventions are seen to become to the point where we're sort of like, yes, yes, um, you shouldn't say these things because. But truthfully, if you were to go back to, to the law and to what is being said, again, it's not really cut and dry. It's not as simple as, as that. And that's where that subjectivity that you're talking about, Danny, comes in. We have, uh, let's see, CK saying they shouldn't have arrested the students immediately, but a certain level of warning should be given. Uh, the issue is that how come the teacher was unable to handle this by themselves? If this was just a daily conversation between two youngsters, it's pretty normal, yet it shouldn't be filmed and shared on the internet. Somehow this is because Malaysians lack awareness about what to do and what not to do, and our education system really lacks these. It's time to reform our education system, not to add more and more theory into the syllabus, but to educate students about financial literacy as well as personality. Responsibility, I, I, I think, might have been what that last word was yes. uh, was supposed to be. But um, okay, I, I think to address one part of it, um, well, I think we're all in agreement about the teacher handling this sort of issue by themselves. Um, most generally, I think most of us agree that the school should have been the kind of ba barrier for this to be handled. That point, though, about it shouldn't be filmed and shared on the internet. I truly believe that we are at the shoulda, coulda, woulda stage of the conversation in that 
there's very little that anybody over the age of uh, 25 can do to stop teenagers from filming things like they breathe. It's, I don't know, maybe some new social media will come along and videos will go out of vogue, but they will still be posting something. Um, I, I don't know that we that we, we do ourselves any good by saying you shouldn't. The fact is they are. So what next? What next? Yes. And also, isn't this similar to conversations that we probably had 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago about what is okay to say in public in front of people versus what is okay to film? And right now, the problem is also that this idea of what is a public space and what is a private space has also changed to the point where it's very different for people who, as you said, are below 25. Yeah, I, I mean, 25 is an arbitrary number. <laughs> like, I, I think that it might be a little older, a little younger than that. Um, I just think that there is a point at which um, there is a point at which the the behaviour of posting things online, of seeing things online, of participating online um, is as such that I'm not sure it's a question of awareness as much as it is that we haven't adjusted to it. And can we also just accept that kids, teenagers will make mistakes and that they should be allowed to make these mistakes, even if we think it was wrong? I'm not sure that it is wrong to this extent. Um, let's see. We have um, Christopher who says, Regarding the students, the reality of their actions is that it was on social media, which means unrestricted audience and presence. This may then lead to a larger reaction on it. Um, the room to make mistake is more about how society reacts to said mistakes. While I agree this was an overreaction, it is part of the evolution of the structures of value, as values in society shifts. I find that interesting and I do agree. I do think that this is a sort of shifting of um, goalposts, a shifting of how what is acceptable to one generation may be very different to the next. Yes, uh, I think unrestricted audience and presence, could you could also kind of colour that and say um, it is unexpected audience and presence mm. because the other part of it, and this was something that I think Wendy, uh, another listener, raised earlier, which is that you can put stuff up. You you don't really have any control over who it's going to reach or when um, and how it might be remixed or retold. The other part, though, um, how society reacts to these mistakes. Interesting, because right now society reacts by calling the cops. Yeah, it, seem, it would seem so, right? Well, okay, this is a thread that's coming up a lot. A couple of messages. Uh, Munif says, if vulgarity is the problem, then half of parliament should be receiving police visits by now because of how they conduct themselves in said parliament. Raymond says, if the students' vulgar behaviour warrants arrest, half our politicians would be arrested already. Um, Lok says, they should be arresting politicians who spew hate and racial bigotry. Students can't criticise the exam papers. Uh, Arul says, does the law... <laughs> Sorry, like we said, it's a thread. Uh, Arul says, does the law affect those who know they will be on TV saying curse words and degrading things? If so, what happened to some parliament members who previously said certain things, knowing that it would be broadcast both on TV and the internet? Yeah, so I think this whole young people need to be taught a lesson about the language they use certainly isn't just young people. Uh, also, Arul, in response to your question, um, in this case, it is partly about the act of uploading. So mm -hmm. if you are just somebody who is, you know... Um, 
a parliamentarian who happens to use vulgar language because you do it all the time, um, <laughs> then the the laws for it, actually the rules for it would be applied within parliament. The speaker uh, would punish you. You may be suspended, all these sorts of things. But the online part um, is because you didn't then go and upload it on your TikTok alone and spread it there. And that's kind of the distinction. It's weird. It doesn't work, but that's what it is. Um, we'll be back for more of this conversation after this. Uh, if you'd like to share your thoughts, was it an over reaction um, on the part of the police to arrest two students who complained uh, about their SPM Sajara paper? And also, do you think there should be room to make mistakes online, especially for young people? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can tweet us. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bluff free medium, BFM 89.9. It is is just about 7.08 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And um, we have been talking for the last hour about a video that went viral and the reactions to it. So the video was of a student still in their school uniform uh, criticizing the SPM Sajara paper in rather crude terms, um, you know, kind of saying, who was the person who made this paper? Why should I care about Singapore? Um, and then that video kind of really went far and wide. A teacher made a police report and the two boys were arrested in their homes, uh, subjected to drug tests, their phones confiscated. We've been asking you whether you think this is an overreaction and also so um, should there be room to make mistakes online, especially when you're a young person? And that's a hard thing to do, I think, in an increasingly fraught internet space. So you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note uh, to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, we have a voice note that came in a little bit earlier from Sabrina. Actually, let me set it up a little bit uh, because Sabrina begins by telling stories about her her children um, in school in Australia, two separate incidents involving things online. Um, one of her son who essentially kind of broke into the school email system and was suspended for 20 days. Another of her daughter uploading a TikTok video, um, which seemed innocuous enough. But then the headmistress, uh, the same one who suspended Sabrina's son for 20 days, kind of... Um, warned her and, and invoked the police. So that's where we find ourselves. And um, Sabrina then goes on to talk about the local context. Uh, here she is. In the local context, I think we as teachers, there is a line that we should not cross. But students today is not the same as uh, our time 20 or 30 years ago we never had social media and to use such uh, vulgar words i don't even know what it means you know that that the the, the words that the the boy in the video said i have to google it because i have never used such words so i think um there there should be like a clear guideline uh, when the police should be involved but if we don't nip uh, at the butt, these kind of 18-year-olds will be keyboard warriors and uh, to involve another country, uh, you know, derogatory terms, uh, we are neighbours and it's very shocking and alarming to find our 18-year-olds, you know, that there are pockets of 18-year-olds uh, with such uh, vocabulary and uh, vulgar um, and distasteful attitude. Uh, I think this needs to be uh, looked at just beyond not not just because of uh, the criminal uh, investigation but also what kind of society we are breeding uh, for the future generation 
Sabrina, thanks very much for that voice note. So, okay, I have thoughts, but perhaps a good way to start off my thoughts is to read this message from Siu Ng, which came in earlier. So Siu Ng says, I'd like to speak up for the right to use swear words or expressions when the situation warrants it. And life being so hard, there are certainly many times where that could be the only expression left to us. In this case, the channel used may be problematic, but what's the problem with but that's the problem with the CMA too, right? It's overbroad application. So to go back to Sabrina's point, um, I think it is perhaps I think it's perhaps being a little too idealistic to assume that young people are not cussing till kingdom come in their private time with their friends. Um, I also think that that is perhaps okay because, again, I think that there are contexts in which that's fine. Uh, what's important is that they know the context within which it's not okay. Um, and to treat it as if we all collectively never swear or never um, let an expletive out means that we never get to talk about when appropriate behavior should be exercised. Right. So I think, um, I guess I would add on and say, I, I'm not sure about drawing a correlation between a moment of vulgar language to being a keyboard warrior and subsequently to kind of this larger societal problem. Um, partly because I think, generally speaking, for for many of us, um, cussing is not a default. In, in other words, you don't necessarily, I, I don't, I don't personally believe that cursing necessarily means that you have a vulgar mind mm. or a vulgar attitude. Uh, it may mean that you have outbursts, um, as, as we heard from Suing just now, um, but that they are often contained. And so I, I guess I'm not so certain um, of the, the correlation, but I think that, again, if vulgarity is a concern, and it is a concern in the school setting. So we're talking about them both as teenagers, which is its own thing, um, and then in a school classroom setting. And in a school classroom setting, I absolutely agree that vulgarity does need to be addressed and does need to be handled, again, at a school level. Um, just to quickly go back to Suing's point, I think we also have to be very careful about what kind of policing we call for. Uh, because if we are talking about laws like the Communication and Multimedia Act being used to police free speech, um, we cannot draw boundaries um, and cannot leave subjectivities like, oh, some kinds of vulgarity is not okay, because that is a slippery slope. We also have another voice note that came in. This is uh, Man Mohan. So the issue is, uh, what is the safe space for students? I guess uh, safe space for students should be the school. But how is the school going to be a safe space when the teachers themselves don't protect their, their students? It was the teacher who reported this. Uh, this is not a criminal offence. I don't see it as a criminal offence. Why should the teacher... Uh, create an unsafe space in school. That's my comment. Thank you very much for that. Um, I, I think that that is uh, the the notion of safe space. When we think about teachers, right, um, who who are inspirational, um, I think a big part of it is not just effectively conveying information, uh, but also creating spaces for conversations to flourish. Maybe not something that is so much prized in our education system, which is so focused on rote learning. Um, but in theory, 
that should be something that a classroom setting allows. And you're right that if there is the threat of, well, I'm going to call the cops if I disagree with you, um, that doesn't lend itself to that kind of atmosphere. I completely agree with you, Manmohan. And, and what is actually quite sad about this is that part of that creating a safe space is that this could have been an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, and that's something that absolutely could be done at a school level by teachers. Um, but it looks like that just didn't happen in this in this case. A.W. says, 17-year-old is not a kid anymore. They should take responsibilities for their own actions and behaviours. Yes, the way they speak are largely influenced by adults, but they're old enough to know right and wrong. Please don't treat them as if they're so naive. At the same time, using police to arrest them isn't the ideal solution to correct their behaviours. Well, actually, they're 18, <laughs> just to point out. Even more Which, so. <laughs> yes, Um I think that taking responsibility for your action um, does not have to mean that you be treated like you're a criminal. Uh, yes. So I think, oh, again, we are coming back to what should the consequence have been? Um, and the consequence should have been um, being spoken to in school, disciplinary action in school. Um, so... Actually, also the fact that they've uploaded a video means I think that they have taken responsibility. But um, in, the apology this, video, uh, yes, correct, the apology mm. video. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, lots to unpack after this. We're going to continue talking about it in the form of looking at what a, an online safe space could be. Joining us for that will be Dr. Pauline Leong. Keep it here on Inside Story BFM eighty nine point nine. Bold, fearless Malaysians BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And now we're pivoting uh, to look at how safe online spaces can be created for teenagers to express themselves, to make mistakes. Um, this is in light of the situation that we've been talking about for the last hour and a bit. Um, so joining us to discuss this is Dr. Pauline Leong, Associate Professor from the Department of Communication at Sunway University. Dr. Pauline, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. So we've been talking about the two teenagers who were arrested for um, complaining basically about the Sajara exam papers in a viral video. What do you make of the response from the authorities to this, particularly the fact that it's being treated as a crime? Okay, first we need to understand the concept of free speech, which is provided under Article 10 of the Malaysian Federal Constitution. So under Article 10 1A, every citizen has the right to free speech and expression. But of course, this right is not uh, unlimited, okay? It is still subject to clauses 2, 3, and 4, which are restrictions that Parliament may by law impose. And Article 10.2 states that Parliament can pass restrictions which it deems necessary or expedient to protect the security of the Federation or any part thereof, friendly relations with other countries, public order, or morality. So, of course, in this case, the student made vulgar gestures, which, which goes against public morality. And, of course, insulted a neighbouring country which of course will affect, you know, our, you know, friendly relations in that sense. But of course, in this case, right, um, um, students have recognised their mistake and apologised, you know, in making the statements uh, and subjecting them to a drug test, I felt that we went a bit overboard. This is probably their first offence, okay? And perhaps a warning should be given so that they learn their lesson and be more careful when making public statements. So hence, you know, um, for the students, uh, I guess free speech is never absolute. It comes with responsibility as well, and it should never be used, you know, and to cause harm. How important is it for young people to have spaces where they can express themselves freely? And where's that line when it comes to what is acceptable? 
Okay. Now, I totally agree that young people need to have safe spaces where they can discuss issues and express themselves. But this should be private spaces like in the classroom, we experience teachers as moderators or we mentors that are able to facilitate the discussion so that they can develop critical thinking. Now, I think that the problem is that schools, you know, tend to be focused on rote learning, you know, just learning about about uh, a knowledge, etc. Uh, but they don't have enough chances to express themselves or discuss issues. This is where they turn to social media. Okay, so social media, however, is a public space where they interact with all kinds of people, their peers, but also adults and cyber bullies and trolls. You know, and if it's public, when it's a public domain, it's not a safe space. So if they are making public statements, they have to be very careful and they have to be prepared for any possible backlash because when they cross the line, that's where it happens. Now, of course, the question is, where, what is the line? Where is the line? What is acceptable and what is not? This is where I feel that uh, before you actually make public statements, listen, read, learn, right? Because what you say in the public sphere will be scrutinized by people. So they should uh, read, watch, you know, um, see what other people are saying and what they are talking about. Learn the context so that you do not speak out of uh, out of the situation. Okay, talk to friends and family members in private first. This is a safe space. Then only if you feel confident enough, then you can make this public statement. Because recognize that making public statements there will be consequences. So the thing is, and this is something that we've been trying to address in the show, uh, for kids and young people today, posting about almost every aspect of their life, including complaints, arguments, feelings, thoughts, everything, um, it's so normal that it's almost done without thought. It, it's, it's taken as something that's just part and parcel of living. Um, how might this change the way we approach self-expression, especially in terms of what is right or wrong? I think that, like I said just now, you know, I think we need to learn, students, youth need to learn what is private and what is public. Okay. We know we are humans. When we're upset, we talk to friends privately to blow off steam. You know, in the past, when blocks happened, uh, were starting out, people used to complain about their bosses and they would put in blocks. And there were consequences too, right? Some of them got fired. Okay, So there is an implicit trust when it's private. When you talk to friends, you will not reveal a private conversation to the public. So hence, any negative statements will not have much impact. It's just between two friends. But if one chooses to make such statements in public, then of course, there's a risk of backlash. So I think that's important in media literacy for students to learn media literacy, especially from the primary school level. What is the consequences? What is private? What is public? Right? And also there's a need for teachers and educators to also be trained in media literacy so that they can guide their students. I think that there are two NGOs that are actually conducting courses to train teachers to introduce them to this area. But I also feel that it would be good if the education ministry can also introduce this part as part of civil or moral studies so that students know how to use social media appropriately, understand the difference between private and public sphere. And how can we especially create room for people to make mistakes and to grow from those mistakes online, um, especially when we see very strong reactions to online behavior that can range from, on the one hand, being called out and as we see in this case, to being arrested? Yeah. Okay. So this can be done actually through various private groups and chat rooms. Okay. So what happened is that I did a research on content moderation of online communities, and I spoke to various main, uh, social media moderators and administrators on how they manage their groups, which focus on social political issues. You know, they are often contentious. And uh, one of the moderators told me that his group has got a lot of youth followers who read about the issues that he talks about. Then they will leave comments on the react and their reactions on you know the dis on the issues that he brings up. Okay? And he will respond to them. Of course, the understanding in that group is that the discourse has to be civil. 
You know, it has uh, the in of course in the beginning there were a lot of trolls and cyberbullies and people who use strong language to post, but he responded to them in a very civil manner. And so when people saw his response, which was very moderate, then other people who were more moderate also responded in a civil manner to rebut the troublemakers. And in the end, right, the troublemakers realized, hey, such behavior is actually not tolerated, you know, in that group, you know, and they left the group or they learned to modify and learn that, okay, this is the, not the right thing to do. I can express myself in a more moderate manner. And so they learned what is acceptable speech and what is not. And yes, the moderator told me that he had a lot of time. He spent a lot of time you know, an effort to actually moderate the group, to respond and to also teach his youth followers how to debate and discuss issues in a civil manner. But he felt that his, uh, you know, after a couple of years, you know, about two to three years, his efforts have paid off because nowadays, right, instead, instead of him having to say things, his own followers, you know, say, hey, you know, we shouldn't say, we know how to say the right things, the appropriate things, you know, without insulting others. So I think that his efforts have paid off in uh, teaching youth how to express themselves appropriately in public. But, you know, this is the effort of one person in a relatively private setting over two to three years. I I guess I'm wondering how we can replicate that um, to a wider space. Okay, I understand. Um, It's not easy. Okay, I think that what we need to do is to basically... um, teach media literacy, you know, in my own um, uh, class, I also do that. I guess I'm another person who tries to do that in my own little space. And I hope that this is replicated by others as well. So that if there's a movement, then we can slowly uh, um, allow students to express themselves privately, learn. And so therefore, when they bring something to the table, you know, in public, it is something that they can uh, uphold and uh, they can defend their views. If we circle back to this case at hand, now it's easy for an incident like this to intimidate other young people, um, to perhaps make them think that expressing themselves, having important conversations online might not be the best way to go. What kind of impact would something, uh, what kind of impact would missing young voices have on public discourse? Um, I think firstly, right, important is that the young people need to read up more. They need to talk to friends privately they need to understand the issue from various perspectives, get the evidence you know, and in private, if you're criticized, it's okay. You made a mistake, you learn from it. The key thing is that you need to think and learn before you speak so that when you fill your vessel with knowledge, you know, when you when people criticize you in public, you can back up your statements. So that's important. Um, join debate clubs, talk to teachers, talk to mentors, ask questions, right? Um, so that when your ideas, when they are formed and when you speak up, you know, then, you know, it's, it's something that um, has got substance. And so therefore, you will have less risk of being criticized because there is substance in there. So make mistakes in private. I think that's, that's the best thing to do. And then after that, bring to the table, uh, after all that you have learned, something that is, you know, has uh, already been molded and shaped. And in closing, um, what role can teachers play in cultivating the sort of safe space? Oh, teachers and educators play a very important role. Um, like I said just now, you know, as an educator, actually, one of the subjects that I actually teach is actually law and ethics, you know. And of course, um, this is a, a topic close to my heart, you know, a topic of free speech and expression. And so in my class, I encourage students to speak up, okay. They can say that whatever they feel, okay. But of course, it must be a civil way of speaking, okay. Do not insult others. But once they speak up, you know, I will question them on the premise, you know, why do you say this? Why? And I, my favorite question is why? Why are you saying this? What is your premise, you know? And um, they have to back it up. So in by learning, by backing it up, they will learn whether their statements have got fallacies or is it a logical claim. 
right? And so therefore, when we have debates in class, they will discuss this. And, and of course, I tell them, whatever it is, is discussed in class, it stays in the class. It should not be spread to other, other people, okay? And so even if they dis disagree with each other, they also must learn to listen and respect differences. So I think that's important that mistakes are made, you know, and they learn uh, in class so that when they talk in future with others, you know, they, they know what are the boundaries, Dr. Pauline, thanks so much for speaking with yes. us. Thank you. That was Dr. Pauline Leong, Associate Professor from the Department of Communication at Sunway University, weighing in on how to create safe spaces uh, for young people to express themselves. And we've been asking you about that, um, but also in general, whether you think arresting the students, which have been the topic of our show today, was an overreaction. You can call us, you can send a voice note, you can tweet us. We do have a voice note that's come in. Um, here is Saiful. The uses of vulgarity in the, these two, two teenagers make me think what, what the roots of the problem is that we're being vulgar in their normal conversation. It's usually because they're using it normally, it normalized in their household to do that. One. Second, it could be a show of frustration of what's going on inside their mind. Maybe they can answer the question. It just bursts out of emotionally. And for my opinion regarding the police taking them, that shouldn't be the way because it's too harsh on that. But yes, they are 18. They're already an adult. They can think. But you have to remember, at this kind of age, after SPM, we are very frustrated. We've been there. Sometimes we have we want to knock ourselves after the SPM result, after the SPM, then uh, I can feel the frustration. The real thing is right now, whether the moral police should be involved. Saiful, thanks so much for that. Um, I think that's a lovely note to end on, partly because the, the point about we were there. Um, is maybe an important one to remember. We were there just without smartphones. Um, keep those thoughts coming. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. You've been listening today to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.